this morning's message is going to be the trumpet and the throne. We talked about the assembly and the throne. We've talked about the feast and the throne last Sunday. And this Sunday will be the trumpet and the throne. The throne is vast. I mean, it's just, I don't know how long we'll be here uh, talking about the throne of God. But it's just an awesome, awesome thing to look at the word of the Lord. Amen. Dealing with the ultimates in the book of Revelation. All right, Revelation 4.1. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet. So when we're talking about the trumpet and the throne, this trumpet was talking with me, which said, come up hither. Now, isn't that interesting that the trumpet's talking? It says, amen. The Bible says, the voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me. How many of you have ever seen a trumpet talking? A literal trumpet talking. I haven't. All right, the Bible says, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning with verse 16. We do a lot of scripture comparison this morning so we can understand the throne and the trumpet. First Thessalonians chapter four. Verse sixteen. Okay. It says there, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Young's literal translation says it differently. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven in a shout, in the voice of the archangel, and in the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Here it says, With. Young says, In. We'll explain that to you. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When you talk about the trump of God and the throne of God, you're talking about a spiritual fulfillment of it right now. Where we are literally, there is an ascending and descending right now. Okay? I'll explain that to you. And then there is a with application of this verse which is an ultimate fulfillment of the trumpet and the throne let's pray father god we thank you right now for your awesome spirit we ask god that you speak to us we give you all the glory and the honor for what you're going to do in this house in jesus name amen you may be seated okay i'm going to go through a lot of scripture this morning we're not going to have time to turn into every passage in the word in your bibles so write them down and look at them later because there's going to be lots of Scripture. We're going to give you a scriptural foundation this morning, okay? On the trumpet and the throne. Now, again, Revelation 4.1. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Brother Heath, will you bring me that shofar, please? In verse 2, and immediately I was in the Spirit, behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, the Scripture says 
that there was a trumpet talking with him. I have never seen a trumpet walk up and talk to somebody. So we're using symbolic language. The trumpet symbolizes something. It symbolizes the prophetic voice. Okay? Say with me, the trumpet symbolizes the prophetic voice. Now, when Jesus does come back, I do believe there will be a literal sounding of a trumpet. Okay? The shofar. God's going to sound it himself. We'll see. Okay? Praise the Lord. But there's more to it than what we think about. You know, we think about when the Lord comes back that uh, he's going to send an angel out there and he's gonna, that little angel is going to stand on the cloud and, blow, and toot his horn. But really, it's much more than that. So I want you to see that. That the trumpets and everything in the Word of God in the book of Revelation are symbolisms. They're symbols of things. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, in Revelation 4 and verse 5, it says, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven spirits of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Symbolism. Backing up to verse 3 of Revelation 4, and you can follow me here on, in your Bibles. He that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like unto an emerald. Okay. Got that. All right. Revelation 1 and 10. Back up there, please. <clears throat> Notice what it says in Revelation 1. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Okay. Say the day of the Lord. Do you remember that the day of the Lord is post-tribulational? That it's after the seven-year tribulation period? Okay. So Revelation 4, the Bible says, John says, there's a door open up in heaven. And there's a voice like a trumpet talking to him which says, come up hither. When is that trumpet sounded? It is, it is connected with the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is after the seven-year tribulation period. So this Revelation 4 passage here is not a pre-tribulation passage. It is a post-tribulation passage that's connected to the day of the Lord. Watch. Revelation 1.10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. If you look at this and you try to put a pre-tribulation rapture in Revelation 4, then you've got two raptures then. You've got one in Revelation 1, and you've got one in Revelation 4. Because in Revelation 1, there is a trumpet that sounded. In Revelation 4, there's a trumpet that sounded. When did the church go out? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you here? This trumpet that is sounded here, and I'm gonna, we're going to do scripture comparisons this morning. This trumpet that is sounded is after the tribulation period. It's after the church age, yes, but it's not pre-tribulational. It's post-tribulational. Okay, y'all with me up to this point? Look at Revelation 1.10 with me. Do you see a trumpet there? 
Is it connected to the Lord's day or the day of the Lord? Okay. I'm already quiet on me. And the reason why you're quiet on me is because there has been so much pre-tribulation taught to us that we really, you know, pretty much just believed it because we wanted it that way, to be honest with you. Now, I will say this. God is still God. He can do whatever He wants to. Okay? But He's not going to violate His Word. What He said in His Word, He's going to do. Okay? So when you look at things differently and you let the Word of God interpret itself instead of reading into the Bible certain things, does it say in Revelation 4 that pre-tribulationally the church is caught out? Does it say that? It does not say that. What it says is, there's a trumpet that sounds, and then John is caught up to the throne of God. That's all it says. Does it give you a timing? It doesn't tell you that's pre-tribulational. When I back up to chapter 1, which is even before chapter 4, I see that trumpet is connected with the day of the Lord. Amen? Okay. All right. Y'all ready for this? Let's talk about this trumpet then. The throne and the trumpet. When you talk about the trumpets, 1 Thessalonians 4, I read to you, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, or in a shout, in the voice of an archangel, and in the trump of God. Literally, in the Spirit, there is an us, a descending of the Lord, and an ascending of us, every time the prophetic word sounds. Because the Bible says in Revelation 1.10, He said, I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. So the trumpet is a voice. The trumpet is the prophetic word of God. It's the prophetic voice. So every time there is a sounding of a trumpet by the preached word of God, the Lord descends in us. And then there is an ascending of us to meet Him in the air. The word air is the atmosphere which is connected to your breathing. Which is connected to His Spirit. So when we talk about these things, we're not just talking about a literal catching up of the church. And that, that is true. In an ultimate sense, the physical reality of that takes place. But there must be an appearing of the Lord every time we meet inside of us or we are wasting our time when we gather in this house. And every time there's a prophetic voice, a prophetic word that is sounded, then there is a descending of the Lord and a rising up or an ascending of God's people who in turn then gets a revelation of the throne in their life. Yes, we will see the throne ultimately physically. But spiritually, we're seeing the throne now. Every time the trumpet sounded, every time the word is preached, there is a progressive revelation of the throne in your life. When you talk about the throne, you're talking about authority. So when the word is preached then, you get a revelation of the authority of God in your life. When you talk about the throne, you're talking about the kingdom of God. 
So every time we preach prophetic, a prophetic word about the kingdom of God, you're getting a revelation of that kingdom inside of you. So there are many trumpets that are sounded. And there is a progressive revelation of the throne of God to us as we are caught up in the Spirit to see what that throne means to us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which temple you are. He is literally enthroned inside of this temple. He inhabits the praises of his people, which means he's enthroned on that praise. So this, it's more than just a physical throne we're talking about, and a physical trumpet, and a physical ascending of the people when the Lord descends. It's a spiritual thing that happens to us every time we meet and every time that word goes forth. The Lord descends in us and we ascend to him. How? In a revelation of that throne. We get a revelation of his kingdom. We get a revelation of the authority of God in our lives. From his throne. His throne is called a throne of grace. His throne is called a throne of judgment. His throne is called a holy throne. Go through the Word of God. And it talks about different aspects of that throne. And that throne manifests itself through, our, through us. Through His people. How? By grace. By judgment. By holiness. He is dispensing His truth from the throne. He's dispensing it from a people. Hallelujah. Do you understand that? Amen. Do you understand that? So Young says that he descends in. In. Say in. Okay. Watch. Watch this. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. King James Version says with a shout. But he descends in a shout. So that when you start shouting unto him. And you start praising him. You enthrone him. He descends in that shout. With the voice of the chief messenger. Or in the voice of the chief messenger. So when you respond to the prophetic word. Then he is descending in that chief messenger. The message that's preached. You understand that? Or archangel in the King James Version. And in the trump of God. So every time the prophetic voice goes forth. And there is a response to that message. And every time there is a shout that goes up of praise. The Lord is descending at that very moment. And appearing in us. Giving us a revelation of his throne. A throne of grace. A throne of judgment. It's something that happens in the spirit. Every time the prophetic trumpet is sounded. Do you understand that? I don't have to be caught up physically. To experience the throne in my life. And I'm sure you've heard this, this statement made. That so and so took us right into the throne room. As they were singing or as they were preaching. We walked right into the throne room. Did you literally physically do that? No. You did it in the spirit as you responded to the word of God. There was a spiritual reality of God's throne in your life his kingdom in your life 
The kingdom's not just going to come. The kingdom is within you. So you're getting a revelation of that kingdom inside of you. Every time somebody stands up and preaches the throne of God in your life. Do you understand that much? Now, and when that happens, you're caught up to meet him in the air. In the spirits. In the breath. He breathed on Abram and changed Abram's name to Abram Ham. Put the letter hay in there and said, you're not going to just be Abram. You're going to be Abraham. And he breathed on Abraham. He changed Sarah's name from Sarah to Sarah. With the hay on there, he breathed on Sarah. When he breathes on you, he changes your nature. And so when the word of God is preached, there's a sounding of a trumpet inside of you. The message of the chief messenger is declared to you. And the Lord is descending in a trumpet. And when he does, he breathes on you, changing your life. Do you understand what I'm telling you? On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, like a rushing mighty wind, a rushing mighty air, they were caught up at that very moment in the Spirit to meet the Lord in the air. Do you understand that? Okay. This morning, though, my primary focus because we've already preached the redemptive aspect of the book of Revelation to you in times past. We've already showed that to you in the past. My primary purpose this morning is ultimates. So what I'm trying to show you is there a, is a progressive sounding of trumpets today. Which will bring you to an ultimate time. When all the kingdoms of the world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and in an ultimate sense, it will be a physical thing. You understand that? And so we're going to focus on that. All right, Zechariah 9. Do you understand what's showing you here? In the King James Version, he says, With a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. Now, when we talk about this trumpet... I want you to, to see some key words. Number one, day of the Lord. The trumpet is connected to the day of the Lord, Revelation 1.10. I want you to see that there, there's a connection with the trumpet concerning clouds, concerning the shout, concerning delay. You understand what I'm saying? You need all of these terms, all right? Praise God. In fact, I'm going to give them all to you instead of just trying to remember them. Okay, if I can find them here. Okay. When you talk about he descends in a shout, he's descending in a battle cry. Say battle cry. The word shout doesn't just mean praise, but it means a battle cry. Right now, there's a battle cry going out. To his soldiers to fight in the spirit okay when you talk about the trumpet you're dealing with a battle cry you're dealing with a chief messenger or a mighty angel you're dealing with a trumpet amen of course 
This trumpet has associated with it a mystery, a delay, a cloud, a shout. So I did give it to you. Did y'all get that? Let me give it to you again so you can write it down. There is the prophetic revelation of God's kingdom in your life every time the word's preached. Got it? Okay. There's a battle cry from God to the soldiers of God to fight against the enemy. Right now. Got that? So we have a shout or a battle cry. We have the chief messenger, which is a mighty angel. We have a mystery. We have delay. We have a cloud. And I already told you shout, right? Did y'all get those? Shout, chief messenger, a mighty angel, mystery, delay, cloud. If you got that, then you're going to understand the trumpet. Okay? This is going to be awesome. This is going to be heavy, okay? Praise God. Zechariah 9, 14. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrows shall go forth as lightning. Say as lightning. When you have a manifestation of the throne, there is lightning. Thunder, lightning, and a mighty earthquake. Okay? So the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrows shall go forth as the lightning. And the Lord God shall blow the trumpet. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the chief messenger, Young says... And with the trump of God. It's the Lord that is sounding the trumpet. He not sending a little fat baby out on a cloud somewhere with a little horn tooting horn. It's the Lord himself that's sounding the trumpet. You understand what I'm saying? He shall go with whirlwinds of the south. So when it says the Lord is going to blow the trumpet, of course, we know in the feast of God, it's associated with the feast of trumpets, right? Rosh Hashanah. Okay. What trumpet is he sounding? It's the last trumpet. Okay, watch this. Revelation 10, turn there, because we're going to do some comparisons here. We're going to try to find the timing of Revelation 4. What trumpet is he talking about? We know that the Lord is the one that's going to sound the trumpet. Y'all, y'all, see, y'all are putting me in a teaching mode already. So if that's where we're going to be, that's where we're going to be. I'll just, I'll be in a teaching mode. See, I got a, I've got a disease. I do. That disease is I want to preach. Okay? But I, since y'all have already put me in a teaching mode, I just get in that mode. I'll shift down to first gear. Okay. All right, y'all ready? Let's do some scripture comparison. Revelation 10 verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. The sounding of the seventh angel is connected to the mystery of God being completed. Okay? One, all right, watch this. 
10.1. Who is the mighty messenger? Revelation 10, when I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Revelation 10, we see this angel here is called a mighty messenger or a mighty angel. 1 Thessalonians 4, the Lord himself shall descend with what? With a shout, the voice of the chief messenger, Young's chief messenger, and the trump of God. Revelation 10, we see this mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, rainbow was upon his head, and his face was it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. So we have a mighty messenger right there. Okay? Now, we already found out that the Lord's going to be the one that, that sounds the trumpet. Understand? But here it says that we've got a, a seventh angel here with a trumpet. We've got a mighty messenger coming down from heaven. Watch this. <laughs> Revelation eleven fifteen. And the seventh angel sounded... That'd be the seventh trumpet, right? Or the last trumpet. And there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. At that moment, we have the completion. Because in Revelation 10, it says when that angel begins to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. Okay? Now, the trumpet is sounded, verse 15 of chapter 11. And the Bible says, at that time, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. So the throne there, we see God in His kingdom reign. In Revelation 4, we, see, we hear the sounding of the trumpet. We hear the, the message of the chief messenger. We, we hear the shout. It's connected to His kingdom being established in the earth. It's connected to the day of the Lord, which is the beginning of the kingdom age. Are you getting this? So Revelation eleven fifteen, we have, when that trumpet sounds, we have the kingdom being announced. Did you get that? When you have the trumpet sounded, you have the kingdom announced. So Revelation 1 says, He which was, which is, which is to come. Revelation 4 says, He which was, which is, which is to come. But in Revelation 11, it doesn't say which is to come. He's already arrived. And it's connected with a trumpet sounding. The announcing of His kingdom. Okay, Revelation eleven sixteen. It's going to take you a little bit to grasp this, but we're going to give you, that's why I'm giving you all this scripture here. Revelation eleven sixteen. The four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God. Revelation 4. Same thing happens. The 24 elders are worshipping God. I'm trying to show you that Revelation 4 is happening at the end of the tribulation period. And announces the kingdom of God coming to the earth. That's what I'm trying to show you. Has nothing to do with a pre-tribulational rapture. Y'all here now? Y'all is more confused than you were before? 
Okay, look, Revelation 11, in connection with the sound of that trumpet and the announcing of God's kingdom being set up, we have 24 elders worshiping God. Got it? Revelation eleven seventeen 17, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Now, literally, that art to come, he's already arrived. I don't have time to get into that. But it's not there. It's, it's already happened. Are you with me here? Revelation eleven eighteen, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the day that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants. So we have what? We have the resurrection of the dead here. We have the judgment upon nations. And we have the reward upon the saints. It's connected with the seventh trumpet. And the setting up of God's kingdom. Is this confusing to y'all? Uh, yeah, I think it is. The way, the way you're responding here. But the nations were angry. Thy wrath is come. That the, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. And that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints. And to them that fear thy name, small and great. And should destroy them which destroy the earth. That doesn't happen until after the seventh angel sounds the trumpet. Announcing the setting up of God's kingdom. You have the resurrection of the dead. You have the reward of the saints. You understand? Okay. Revelation eleven nineteen. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. That is the throne. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. You understand? Same thing, Revelation 4. You got thunderings and lightnings in that passage. Here we have verse 19. The temple of God is open in heaven. Revelation 4, we have a door open in heaven. Matthew 24, 3. All right, let's talk about this. What I am trying to show you and not doing a very good job at it this morning is that Revelation 4, you have to take other passages in Revelation to find out when those events are happening. Revelation 10 takes us right before the sounding of the seventh trumpet or last trumpet. Revelation 11 shows us the sounding of that trumpet. Shows us a mighty angel. Amen. Shows us the kingdom being established at that time. Resurrection of the dead. Judgment upon the wicked. And reward of the saints. And it shows us it to be happening at the end of the... The tribulation period. Do you understand what I'm trying to show you here? Now, I wouldn't have any problem right now getting this across if I was preaching a pre-trib rapture. Because I can tell you, Revelation 4, okay, we went out right there. Now, everybody run, shout, praise God, get all excited, hallelujah, we out of here. And then, you know, Revelation 5, there we are sitting physically in heaven, you know. And Revelation 6, that's the beginning of the tribulation period with the seal, judgments, etc., etc., and we'd all be happy. <laughs> but now, since I'm taking you Revelation 10 and 11, I'm showing you that trumpet that he's talking about in Revelation 4 doesn't even sound until the end of the tribulation period. It's real quiet in here. And I have a great challenge this morning to get you to see this. 
some of it is because we don't want to see it because we like it the other way. And I, I don't know why that is. Because when you talk about the day of the Lord, you're talking about the time when God saves the righteous. It's a time of great light for His people. It's judgment on the wicked and it's darkness for the world. But not for God's people. And we've already explained to you the day of the Lord. So I don't know why it is we get all uptight because we think we're going to go live on this earth seven more years. If God takes care of us now, do you think it's going to diminish in that time called the tribulation period? It's only going to be greater. It's going to be a greater glory and a greater supernatural provision. And God taking care of us. It's only going to increase. So while we get all uptight, you know God. Hallelujah. And you understand what the day of the Lord's all about. It's a glorious time. I'd kind of like for it to start tomorrow. I'm talking about the seven-year tribulation period. I'd like for it to start tomorrow. I know you think I'm crazy. But you see, I understand what the day of the Lord is all about, which follows that time. It's glorious. It's a manifestation of His throne. It's a fulfillment of the mystery that God gave the prophets. Salvation for the righteous. Light for the righteous. Glory for the righteous. If you're on the other side of God, you don't want anything to do with it. Okay. Matthew 24, 3. Now watch this. It's connected, this trumpet sounding and the throne in Revelation 4 is connected to the kingdom of God being established. Spiritually now, but physically after the tribulation. It is connected with completion. Because it says, Revelation 10, verse 7, when that seventh angel begins to sound the trumpet, the mystery of God will be completed. You understand? Let's talk about the end. Let's talk about this completion. Matthew 24, 3. As he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? Now, when we talk a long time ago on the day of the Lord I believe it was the day of the Lord message maybe the coming of the Lord we explained to you that the time of the end is the day of the Lord it's the time of the harvest it's the time when God pours out his fiery judgment on the earth that is the time of the end Okay, the time of the end is connected with his second coming and the day of the Lord watch this now okay praise the Lord they ask him the question, what shall be the sign, single sign, of thy coming and the end of the age? So there is a sign that's going to be given for the completion. And I already read it to you in Revelation 10. Amen. Are you here? <sighs> Say the end. Did you get it? They want to know. What shall be the sign of thy coming, parousia, and the end of the age? 
The parousia of the Lord is his second coming. That's when he catches the church out. 1 Thessalonians 4, physically. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. At his coming, parousia, he judges Antichrist. The event is the same time. He don't come in parousia and take the church out seven years before the day of the Lord. And then at the end of the seven years when he comes back in the day of the Lord, parousia and destroys the Antichrist. It's the same time. There's no gap. He catches the church out, destroys Antichrist. The word parousia is used for both events. Same time. Okay. Watch this. It's in the Bible. They want to know what is going to be the sign of his parousia and the end of the age. Okay? They're not sitting there wondering, well, God, what's going to be the pre-tribulation sign? No. They want to know what is the sign of your coming and the end of the age. They know those two go together. It is us who put a seven-year, I'm telling you, A seven-year gap between the catching of the church out and the second coming of Jesus to destroy the wicked. The Bible doesn't do that. That's what we've done. Okay, watch. Matthew 24, 13. But he that shall endure unto the end. I don't like to give the enemy credit. But I ain't giving him no credit. What I will say is he don't like what I'm doing right now. I can't even get my mic to work, man. Watch this. Okay. 2413. But he that shall endure. Or we've already talked about the perseverance of the saints. He that perseveres. Or endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. That is used in the message to the seven churches. Persevering. Those messages to the seven churches are written to people who are going to be in the seven year tribulation period. And he's telling them to persevere, to endure to the end. Okay? He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Give me a little bit, brother. Verse 14. Don't blow, of course, don't blow our cameras out. Y'all watch that. I tell you what, it help me today. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, if you back up, let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, this thing. Am I on out there? Okay. Will it affect the cameras if you give me a monitor, brother? See, give me a. The whole thing. Edit this tape, by the way. For how crazy I am. Are y'all with me here? Matthew 24. Let's go there. Tell you what, man. 
trying to distract me. Okay, Matthew 24. Watch this. Say the time of the end. They want to know when the time of the end is going to take place. What is the sign of His coming and the end of the age? Go to verse 5. Jesus says, For many shall come in my name and say, And I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars, rumors of wars, and that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. What He does is He gives you signs that will happen in the seven-year tribulation period. The rise of false Christ. Wars and rumors of wars. But he says to them, the end is not yet. The seven year tribulation period is not the end. They are events that precede the sign. And he's telling us, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. You've got to make it through all those events that he talked about that will precede the end. You're going to be in that time if, they, if we are in the age. You're going to be in that time that precedes the end. Which will see false Christ and wars and rumors of wars. That's what you have to endure. That's what you have to persevere through. Is that time he's talking about. Where there will be false Christ. Wars and rumors of wars. You got this so far. For nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. Revelation 6 starts out. And the same thing Jesus said in Matthew 24. Revelation 6, right around the white horse, Antichrist. Then comes forth what? Look up here on the chart. Right around the white horse. Then there's the false Christ. Right around the red horse. Wars and rumors of wars. What's the next thing? Black horse. Famine. What's the next horse? Green horse. Pestilence. This is exactly what Jesus said will precede the time of the end. And he tells us, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. He doesn't promise them or us that we're not going to see those signs. Or those events, I should say, that precede the end. Don't tell us we're going to be out of here before that happens. What he does promise us is we're not appointed unto wrath. What he does appoint, uh, tell us that we're not appointed to wrath, which is the day of the Lord. The seven-year tribulation period is not the day of the Lord. Are the events that are leading up to the revelation of Jesus Christ. They are the events that are leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And he says, he that endures the end, the same shall be saved. And then he says, the end is not yet. He gives you events that will precede the end. Or the completion, which is connected to the sounding of a seventh trumpet. That's when the mystery of God is completed or finished. Not hearing me. I'm trying to show you when the end is the end. 
I'm trying to show you when the completion takes place, it takes place with the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And that's the trumpet in Revelation 4. And it's the trumpet of Revelation 11. Okay. Are y'all with me up to this point? Do you get that much? Gives him some events. He says, but the end is not yet. Pretty plain. And the disciples are saying, what shall be thy what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the age? Doing my best. Watch this. Verse 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness in all nations. And then shall the end come. But verse 6 says the end is not yet. When you have these events that Revelation 6 talks about. Okay, with me here? Go to 29, Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after, say after, the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. That's the day of the Lord. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. The sign singular, then, when, after the tribulation. What is the sign? What is the sign of, his, of the end? Watch. Then shall appear the sign singular of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming. In the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. What happens then? And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So it's post-tribulational. The sounding of the trumpet is post-tribulational. That's when he gathers his elect. You know the word. Epicenago, gather upward his elect. That's when the rapture takes place, right there. Are you with me here? It's connected with the sound of the trumpet. All right. Amen. Praise the Lord. And verse 29 says, this, after the tribulation. After the tribulation. So if you keep looking at this, if you go over there and look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and um, 1 Thessalonians 5, and then 2 Thessalonians 2. You will find out that Jesus Christ himself is used by Paul. What Jesus said in Matthew 24 concerning events that will take place before the time of the end. Before the seventh angel sounds its trumpet. Bringing the judgment of God on the earth and the catching of the elect up. Paul says that he speaks by the word of the Lord. And he talks about events that will precede the coming of the Lord. And he said, there'll be a great falling away first. There will be people who will not endure it. There will be an apostasy first. And that, and then that wicked one shall be revealed. And then he goes on and talks about the church being caught up. Are gathered together unto him. But it follows Antichrist and it follows the apostasy of people who won't endure. 
to the end. So what I'm trying to tell you is the Antichrist and the falling away are things that happen in the seven-year tribulation period. And at the end of that seven-year tribulation period, that's when Jesus comes and takes us out. Judges the wicked. Resurrects the saints. And rewards the saints. Revelation 11. It's connected to the seventh trumpet. Okay, are y'all more confused than you were before? Verse 31, I read it to you. Okay, chapter 28, 20. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the age. He's going to be with us to how long? To the end of the world or the end of the age. And the end is not when the tribulation period breaks out with false Christ and famines and wars. That is not the time of the end. He looks at us. He tells us he's going to be with us all the way to the time of the end. Jesus said the end is not yet when you begin to see those things come upon the earth. Now we'll apply that 2822 to the church age right now, won't we? Why don't we apply it, apply it all the way through the tribulation period? Because God gives signs that will precede the end. And then he says he's going to be with us to the end. Praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1, 7. So that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Come behind in no gift. Now, there's a, I'm not getting into that. I just can tell you all the gifts of the Spirit are going to be with us until all the way through the end. They didn't go out with the early church. But anyway, he says in verse 8, Who shall also confirm you unto the end that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He connects the time of the end with the day of the Lord. He said, I'm going to confirm you all the way to the end. And what is the end? The day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 24 says, is preceded by false Christ, wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences. I must be electrified. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now this one's going to go out on me. Amen. Go ahead. Go out. <laughs> Got it? So we're confirmed to the end. Blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be completed, finished, end. As he had declared to his servants, the prophets, the mystery is completed in connection with the seventh trumpet. Amen. Awesome. He's telling you that the end of the tribulation period takes place at the seventh trumpet sounding. Now, what, well, what about the seven bowls of wrath? They're not in the tribulation period. They go beyond the seven-year tribulation period into the day of the Lord. 
The seventh trumpet brings you to the end of the tribulation period. It sounds when the, the Lord himself descends from heaven. He sounds the trumpet. He sounds his command, his war trumpet over the nations. Raises the dead. Rewards the dead. Followed by the day of the Lord, which is connected with the end and the trumpet. First, uh, Revelation 1.10. You got that? Okay, here we go. He announces the arrival of the kingdom. Revelation 1.8. I am Alpha and Omega, Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. What it's saying, verse 15. The seventh angel sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. He shall reign forever and ever. So the word which is to come is not there because He's already... Revelation 4.8 And the four beasts, here we go, had each of them six wings about him. They were full of eyes within. They rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. See that? Revelation 11.18 And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should just destroy them which destroy the earth. That's Revelation 11. It's connected with the sound in that seventh trumpet. Revelation 11, 18. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. There was seen in his temple the ark of his testimony. There were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Go with me up to this point. So what, is the, what does the return bring? It brings the final judgment Resurrection and the reward, the ark speaks of the throne of God. Revelation 4, 3. He that sat was looked upon like a jasper. This is Revelation 4, verse 3. And a sword and stone. There was a rainbow round about the throne in the sight like an emerald. Oh, interesting. Well, let's compare it with Revelation 10, 1. These important words connected with the seventh trumpet. We have in Revelation 4, we have a rainbow round about the throne, right? Revelation 10, 1, I saw another mighty angel or a chief messenger come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head. And his face was as it were the sun and his feet pillars of fire. Verse 7 tells you of chapter 10. It's connected with the seventh trumpet. Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. They shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven and with power and great glory. Okay, the first one. Revelation 4, Revelation 10. We have what? A symbol. A rainbow. Now, Revelation 4, we have Matthew 24, 30. talks about Him coming in clouds. Got that? The completion sign is him coming in clouds. Verse, chapter 10, verse 1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, blow with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. His face was it where the sun is his feet. See what I'm saying? Revelation 4. Revelation 4 and Revelation 10 are going together here. These key words are connected with the sounding of this seventh trumpet and the establishing of God's kingdom in an ultimate sense upon this earth. And that's the timing of the end. That's the timing of the resurrection of the dead. That's the timing of the reward. 
And that's the time of the judgment. Got it? Okay, Revelation 1.16. He had his right hand, seven stars out of his mouth, went a sharp to his sword. His countenance was as the sun shineth in its strength. Who's it talking about? Jesus is the one whose countenance was as a sun shining in his strength. Revelation 10.1. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow upon his head. His face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. What I'm trying to show you here is this, is that the Lord himself is the one that's coming in the shout, in the trumpet, in the mighty messenger. He is the fulfillment of all those things. So Revelation 10 is another aspect showing you Jesus in his connection with the seventh trumpet. And I do believe it also shows the corporate body which I'm looking at who stuck their head behind the veil and experienced everything that's in the throne room, the rainbow, the covenant, the cloud, etc. There's a people who have stuck their head behind the veil and their face shining like the sun. They got a rainbow hat on their head. Clove with the cloud. Hello, clouds. Are you with me here? I'm talking about the ultimate sense here. Who is this mighty messenger? Well, it very well could be the Lord Jesus Christ. Could be. Because all the same terminology. Okay. Let me go over here and look at Revelation 5.1. Revelation 4 and 5 are connected. Go together. The throne. Revelation 5.1. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside seal with seven seals. Revelation 10.2. He had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the seed, his left foot upon the earth. So that mighty messenger has a scroll in his hand. Connected to Revelation 5. It says, I saw not in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written in backside seal with seven seals. Symbolism depicting Jesus. Watch this. See, it's in Revelation 5. But 10 is when it's happening. Got it? In time. In an ultimate sense. Okay, verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 14. What is that scroll then that's in his hand? Well, there's a lot to this scroll. But one thing I can tell you for sure, it is the chosen recorded. Lamb's book of life. The chosen recorded. Okay? Revelation 74, these shall make war with the Lamb, the Lamb shall overcome them. For He is Lord of lords, King of kings, and they that are with Him are called, chosen, and faithful. They have endured, they have overcome, they are called, chosen, and faithful. My other mic, it's not a mic problem. Now, are we okay on the cameras on this? All right. I have to figure out what's going on. They that are with him are called, chosen, and faithful.
whether you want to be a pastor. Fight the sound equipment, gotta fight the saints. No, never mind. Not really. Now watch this. Isaiah 27, 13. Can y'all hear me? I'm a, you know what? I must be sick. I must be going deaf. I can't hear. Y'all hear me? All right. Watch this, Isaiah 27, 13. It shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet, say that day, that the great trumpet shall be blown. They shall come which are ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Okay, there's going to be a trumpet blown, great trumpet. Isaiah 26, 19. Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Shall they arise, awake and sing. Ye that dwell in the dust, there's a resurrection. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth is, shall cast out the dead. When does that happen? With the sounding of the seventh trumpet. So when the Lord comes back at the end of the tribulation period, begins the day of the Lord, there is a sounding of a trumpet that brings about the resurrection of the dead, and at that time he calls the bride into her wedding chamber. That's when he calls the chosen into the wedding chamber. Amen? You got it? 2620, come my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. We preached that before that that's a seven-year tribulation period. But it is the time of his wrath. It is the time of the day of the Lord. It's the time when the seventh trumpet is sounded. It's the time when the great trumpet is sounded. That his indignation is poured out on the earth and his bride is taken in the wedding chamber. They are not separated by seven years. They are separated by... Now he's got me. Um, I can't think. They are not separated by seven years. They happen at the same time. The indignation of the Lord is at the time of the end. Beyond the events he gave. Beyond the tribulation events he gave of Antichrist wars and rumors of wars and things like that. Hallelujah. You got me here? Chapter 26 of Isaiah, verse 24. Behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. It's in connection with the sounding of the seventh trumpet. That's when the church is caught up, and that's when he pours out his wrath upon the earth. Amen? 
Revelation 5, 5. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. The lion of Judah. Revelation 10, 3. This mighty messenger cries with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. When he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. So we have the connection again. In Revelation 4 and 5, the one who's on the throne, the line of the tribe of Judah, we see in Revelation 10 his loud voice, his shout, roaring as a lion. Okay, Revelation 11, 19. The temple of God was opened in heaven. There was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. They thundering. That's Revelation 11. And that's after the tribulation period. Revelation 4, 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps. See what he's trying to show you? Manifestation of the throne. The timing of that event. Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. Here's this mystery. As he had declared to his servants the prophets. What mystery are we talking about? What mystery is going to come to completion? Or take place at the time of the completion? Well, there are mysteries in the Word of God. Number one, Ephesians 5 talks about, Ephesians 5.21 talks about the mystery of the church. It talks about marriage. The husband and the wife. But then he says, not just about this husband and wife thing. It's about Christ and His church. He said, it's a mystery. Watch this. So when it says, the mystery shall be completed. Watch. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and then, and I put the and then in there, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. If you look at 1 Corinthians 15, 51, watch this. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. When the last trumpet sounds, that's when we're going to have a resurrection, right? The dead's going to be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse 51 calls this a mystery. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And Revelation 10, 7 says that when the seventh angel begins to sound, it's announcing the completion of the mystery. The catching of the church out of the earth at the last trumpet is called a mystery. So I'm trying to show you that the last trumpet in 1 Corinthians 15 is the same trumpet as the seventh trumpet of Revelation. Comparing Scripture with Scripture. Which means I have to get rid of all my preconceived ideals on the matter. And have to let the Word of God interpret the Word of God. The last trumpet is connected with a mystery. The seventh trumpet is connected with a mystery in Revelation 10 and 7. 1 Corinthians 15, the mystery is the catching of that bride out of the earth. That's a mystery. That will be fulfilled at the sound of the seventh trumpet. 
Revelation 7, 14, I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. Now, okay, what's he, what's in reference to this? Well, the question is in Revelation 7, who are these? You know, they got the palm branches in their hands. Who are these? Who are all these people? Is the question. It's a mystery. Here's the answer. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said to me, These are they which came out of the great out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the, thro the throne shall dwell among them. That's the church being seen, making it all the way through the tribulation period, caught out, standing before his throne, just as you see in Revelation 4, the door open in heaven, John being caught up before the throne. Revelation 7, we see him, having made it through the great tribulation period, standing before the throne. Clothed in white. They washed their robes, made them white in the blood of the Lamb. You with me here? 715, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And pre tribulationary teaching will tell you that these are tribulation saints. I want to share something with you. Most preachers and teachers of post-trib today at one time were pre-tribs. They sure were. I don't know why it is. Sometimes it seems like that you have to learn a position and then you see the truth. I think maybe it's because God wants you to understand all the different points of view. But I'm telling you from a pre-tribulation viewpoint, they would tell you that this is a, the tribulation saints, that this isn't the church. I'm telling you, it's the church that has made it through that tribulation period with the Antichrist, war, rumors and wars, famine, pestilence that precede the time of the end or the time of the completion. You understand what I'm saying here? <laughs> I'm telling you, I am getting to a place in my life, in my ministry, that I am just, I'm looking at the Word. I'm letting the Word, I'm comparing Scripture with Scripture. And I'm letting the Word interpret it. Because I, I am tired. Now that doesn't mean... And I'm not going to study anybody else or I'm not going to listen to what anybody else says. That's not true. Hallelujah. When it, when it, when it comes to pre-trip or otherwise. But I'm telling you something very important. There's a mystery. And the mystery is at the last trumpet, that church is caught out. And Revelation 10 says that when the seventh trump sounds, that's when the mystery of God should be completed. And it's not just the rapture of the church that's a mystery at the last trumpet, which is the seventh trumpet. Okay. Revelation Daniel 12, 7 says, And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the rivers. He held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven. And swear by him that liveth forever. That's the same thing in Revelation 10, that mighty messenger does. It shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. 
He says at the end of that three and a half years, which is the great tribulation period, it's going to be finished. It's going to be complete. What are we talking about here? God's going to come back and He's going to save Israel. He's going to deliver Israel. That's what that prophecy's telling them. He's telling Israel, you're going to go through that three and a half year, last three and a half year great tribulation period. But there's going to be a completion to it, an ending to it. It's a mystery. God's going to protect the nation of Israel. That's another mystery. The mystery of the church being caught out and the mystery of, of God protecting Israel in that seven-year tribulation period. Three and a half is the last three and a half, which is the great. Watch this. Daniel 12, 6. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of those wonders? Just got through telling you. At the end of the three and a half years. And the three and a half years is the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. That is when the completion takes place. It's all connected to the seventh trumpet. You got it? It's all connected to the last trumpet. The resurrection, the reward, the judgments, connected to the seventh trumpet. It's the announcement of God setting up His throne, His kingdom. Revelation 7, the church is seen standing before His throne. Revelation 14, the church, along with 144,000, are seen standing on Mount Zion in the kingdom. You understand? Say the mystery of Israel. 11.25, Romans 11.25, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Verse 26, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. The deliverance of Israel is a mystery. And it happens at the end of the tribulation period. Why am I bothering with all of this? Why do I suffer all these things? Huh? Why? You got it. The truth. The truth. Why are we preaching this? For the truth's sake. Matthew 25, 19. For as, for eight. Now watch this. Okay, here we go. Okay, we talked about the mystery. The mystery is connected to the seventh trumpet. We talked about what that mystery is. Catching of the church out of the earth. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Hallelujah. Now, let's talk about another term that's connected with the day, with the seventh trumpet. And I've got about, I'm out of time actually, but I'm going to go ahead and proceed. Called delay. Delay. Watch this. Did the early church believe in the imminent return of Jesus Christ? And what I mean by that is that any time returning of Jesus. Okay, yes they did. But in what way? Did they believe that Jesus was going to come at any time in their lifetime? Let me put it this way. Did they believe that Jesus was going to come at any time without any events to warn them of that coming? Without any signs, without any events 
I'm trying to show you. Let me put it this way. Did they have a pre-tribulation imminent viewpoint? That's what I'm talking about. When you talk about preeminent coming of the Lord for His church, what I'm talking about, did they teach a pre-tribulation imminent return of the Lord? Okay. Hello, somebody. They did believe in the imminent return of the Lord, but it was not pre-tribulational. It followed a sequence of events that God gave them. And when, watch, when you begin to see these things be, come to pass, lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. Jesus gave them specific events that would precede His coming, His return. So when you're talking about the imminent return of the Lord, it's imminent after those events have come and gone. Those apostles weren't stupid. They knew what the Word of God said. Oh boy, I got you thinking now, don't I? There is a preeminent return of the Lord, which means, or an imminent return of the Lord. At any time, return of the Lord, but it's it's got events that were prophesied that would happen before it. Once those events are completed, then it's imminent. But even then, you don't know the day or the hour. So you have to keep watching even in the tribulation period. Because you don't even know the day or the hour of His coming. And pre-tribulation says, well, you can calculate. No, you can't. If you're in the seven-year tribulation period, you can't calculate the day or the hour. You know the general time frame, but you don't know the day or the hour of His coming, even if you go through all those events that precede that return. You still can't calculate the day or the hour. I'm going to prove it to you by the Word. Jesus, watch this, did not teach a pre or an imminent return or at any time coming back of himself before the tribulation period. He told his disciples it would be after a long time. Watch. The disciples knew it was going to be a long time. Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. His coming is after a long time. So the early church did not know of the imminent return or the any time coming of the Lord without events. Because Jesus clearly said it's after a long time. He talked about the nobleman that goes on a long journey. And after a long time, he comes back. Say, long time. Do you, do you believe that the disciples were looking for Jesus to come back in, his, in, their, in their lifetime? Jesus said, after a long time. They knew it was going to be after a long time. That he was going on a long journey. It's going to be a long time before he came back. This used to really bug me. 
when I was pre-tribulational. It used to eat my lunch. Okay? Because I'd sit down all of a sudden, and I'd be preparing, and I'd look, and I, I, I figured that, you know, the indignation was the seven-year tribulation period. And because we, we misinterpreted the time of the indignation or the time of the wrath, we misinterpreted the timing of the rapture. And, and, and so this, this concept of the imminent return of Jesus Christ, that the apostles were looking for him to come even then, you know, in those days, hallelujah. I'd be sitting there and I'd think, and, and, and something, you know, it, it must be the Lord. It could have been God, and I believe it was God. He'd come talk to me. He would. And he'd ask me a question. He said, do you think my apostles and my prophets did not understand the Old Testament timing of events? And prophetic events that I gave them. I gave my prophets the seventh trumpet. I gave my prophets the understanding of, of prophetic events and what was going to happen. I showed my prophets when the, when the bride would be taken into her wedding chamber. You're telling me those Jewish And I, watch this. He's, this is what God's telling me. Okay? Talking to me. You mean to say that those apostles had no idea of what was going on? That they were completely in the dark about events that would precede his coming? You're telling me that they believed that they were so deceived that they believed that I was coming in their lifetime and I didn't come, so they went to their grave believing in something that never happened? And I left them in the dark concerning that? Boy, that got my attention. To think those apostles and prophets in that New Testament church were ignorant. That they, that they believed that Jesus could come back pre-tribulational at any time. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Because, he said, after a long time. And not only that, but they had foresight into their call. Jesus gave them the great commission. Does that mean that Jesus is going to, he's going to go to heaven, dead, buried, you know, raised, sit, goes up into heaven, gives him a great commission, and then it, it could be the, the next day he's going to come back and take him out of here before the great commission is ever completed? Are you funny? When he says clearly, I will be with you to the end of the age. They knew what the end of the age was. He didn't say, I'm going to go up there. I'll be up there for an hour and I'll come back maybe tomorrow or maybe the next day. So, you know, by the way, we got a little thing, a side issue over here called the Great Commission, you know. And uh, I really don't care if it gets completed or not, but I'm going to go up there and I might be back tomorrow. I might be back the next day. You think those disciples were that ignorant? When he clearly tells them, tells the church that he's going to be with us to the end of the age and the end of the age is that cataclysmic second coming day of the Lord manifestation of God that is preceded by events that he gave them in Matthew 24 he gave them warnings and events that would precede that end and said the end is not yet and he said, I'm going to be with you to the end. But by the way, I might be back here tomorrow. Are you funny? And that used to bug me. Hallelujah. used to bug me. 
Because I knew better. I knew those apostles and prophets had more revelation from God than what we gave them credit for. But you see, we have our position. And, you know, it's, it's, it, most pastors won't change what they believe. You know why? Because they're worried. They're too worried. I don't care. I, I don't care about my position. I haven't. Makes no difference to me if I have a position. What I'm after is the truth. And if I'm wrong, I'm all stand up here and I'll tell you, I'm wrong. And I'm telling you right now, I was wrong when it comes to pre-trib. I was wrong. It's not in the Bible. And you're looking at a man that's not ignorant. I studied it for 24 years, pre-trib rapture. I, I was in the book, man. I know what they believe. I know what they teach. But it's not in the Bible. And I know what pre-tribulationists say. Well, the apostles are looking for Jesus to come in their day. Watch. Watch this. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. We're just going to keep on going. So keep on. <clears throat> Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Even after the tribulation period has run its course, the Lord still tells his people to watch. Which means if you have to watch, you don't know what day or hour his coming is. There is an imminent return. But it's after all the events that the Lord said would precede that return have taken place. But even then he says, you're still going to have to watch lest I come on thee as a thief. And the thief in the night is not when he comes and raptures his church. The thief in the night is the day of the Lord and we've proved it to you by the Bible. We proved it to you by the Bible. The thief in the night is not when he comes secretly and raptures the church seven, uh, seven years before he comes back. We proved to you that the thief in the night coming of Jesus is the day of the Lord. I proved it to you already. Okay, because we're going on close to 20 lessons in the book of Revelation. All right? Now watch. So his coming as a thief is the day of the Lord coming of the Lord at the end of the tribulation period. And he says, even at that, you're still going to have to watch. Because you're not going to know when I'm coming. And that pre-trib, I'm telling you, man, I know it. I know it like the back of my hand. I know pre-tribulationism. And it will tell you, well, the thief in that coming of Jesus is when he comes and takes his church out seven years before the second coming. Nobody's going to know when he comes. And that, the Bible doesn't say that. It calls him the thief in, night, thief in the night right there. After the events of the tribulation have been. Not before it, but after it. Why y'all looking at me like that? Y'all ready to go to sleep? I told you I got to fight devils, saints, sound system. I love it though, man. I love to fight. You know me. I love to fight. Hallelujah. I don't know why I can't whoop anybody. Maybe in the spirit. But in the physical, I, I, it, it, watch this. Do you understand imminency is connected with events 
that Jesus gave in Matthew 24? He said, this is what you look for, but the end is not yet. So the disciples, like, wow, like, you know, like you pre-trip people believe out there. Walking around saying, well, don't see the events, but Jesus said he was coming. So he might be here tomorrow. Hadn't seen anything he said was going to happen, but, you know, imminent return. I know. Just bear with me, okay? I'm, I'm just a novice trying to preach, all right? Just bear with me. I'm trying to get this across to you, okay? In a sarcastic way, yes. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his shame. They knew the Lord was going to come after a long time. They knew it would be preceded by events. Matthew 24, he gave it to them. Matthew 25, was it Matthew 25, he said, after a long time? Is that where it was? 25, 19. He just got through teaching them in time events. He showed them the events. And then 25, he said, it's going to be a long time before I come back. And you're telling me that after Jesus ascended up, the apostles are walking in the earth thinking he's coming tomorrow? No, they knew he was coming back at any time after those events that he declared would happen was fulfilled. Yeah, that's the imminency they believed in. But even at that, you're still going to have to watch. This is, this is good stuff. See, I'm starting to feel liberty now, man. Watch. The apostles knew they were going to have to fulfill a great commission also. The apostle Paul had been shown by God his whole ministry. Watch. I don't have time to read all these scriptures. But he knew he would testify to Israel. He knew he would testify to kings. He knew he would testify to nations. Which means if he hadn't done that yet, means Jesus could not have come any time in his ministry. The Lord had told him, you're going to go here. You're going to do that. You will preach to kings. You'll stand before kings and testify of me. And then God told him at the end of his ministry, or thereabout, you're going to go to Rome. So you're telling me that Jesus could have come back before he went to Rome? When God just stood there and said, you're going to Rome? I'm trying to show you the foolishness of some of the stuff that we taught and believed in times past. They knew it was going to be after a long time. They knew they had to fulfill a great commission. They knew they, God had showed them their ministries. In fact, Jesus looked at Peter one day. And told Peter, John wasn't even going to die. Which means Jesus could not have come back anytime he wanted, you know, any, at any time before that word was fulfilled. John did not die. He lived to a ripe old age. Just like God prophesied to that man. 
They had events God gave them. Jesus gave Matthew 24 events that preceded the end. He showed them their ministries and told them where they were going to go and told them how they, long they were going to live. And you're telling me that they were walking around thinking that Jesus was going to come back at any time before God's teaching, Jesus' teaching concerning those events were fulfilled. This might not mean nothing to you, but I've wrestled with this stuff, man. Watch this. Matthew 24, 48. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. What's that all about? There is going to come a people who are going to apostatize from God when they find themselves in the events that precede the end. The tribulation. You got it. They will apostatize because they surmise in their mind that his coming is not as it was scheduled to be. They are pre-tribulationists who say, my Lord delays his coming. No, he didn't delay his coming. I told you what was going to happen. But you, because of your preconceived ideas of when that coming should be scheduled, said he delayed his coming. And because you believe a lie, but if that evil servant shall send his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in an hour that he is not aware of. You understand? What's going to happen is God is going to purge his church of the tares. He's going to purge his church of wolves. He's going to purge his church of counterfeit servants. In that seven-year tribulation period. And a lot of these so-called servants of God are no more than tares and wolves in the kingdom of God. But when that tribulation breaks out, there's going to be an apostasy that takes place. Because they think that the Lord has delayed His coming. And they will begin to live like the unbeliever. A hypocrite. Drinking. Living in the world like the unbeliever. Because they say the Lord has delayed his coming. No, he hasn't. He already said it was going to be a long time. He already gave the events to look for. He already showed you what the sign of that coming one, what that end event was. You with me here? He already showed you it was post-tribulational. And if you say the Lord delays his coming, it's because you had an interpretation that wasn't correct concerning that coming. Because I'm going to prove it to you. He don't, he's not going to delay his coming. Is everybody all right out there? So what you're going to have, though, is at this time, the true believer is going to walk in obedience and discernment. Concerning the times. The unbeliever 
will be slothful and live like the world. You didn't get me, did you? Did it not say that? Watch this. But if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord, delayeth this coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come today when he looketh not for him in an hour that he is not aware of it. Oh, man, that's heavy stuff, man. Okay. We'll do what we can, brother. I got to finish this. Y'all understand what I'm trying to show you? Jesus, God has already showed us there's going to be a great apostasy. He told the church, the true church, to endure to the end. Persevere to the end. Don't be slothful. Don't walk around and say, my Lord delays his coming and live like the world. Where you're caught off guard. You're not walking in discernment. You're not walking in obedience. You're a counterfeit servant. You're a professor. You're a tear. You're a wolf. This is serious, man. This is the word of the Lord, God. Amen? Counterfeit servants say, well, the Lord must just, the ladies come. So I can do what I want to do. Now, yeah, you know. Okay, watch. Isaiah 46, 12. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted, that are far from righteousness. Stout-hearted. Thick of flesh. I wish I had time to read to you the whole Isaiah chapter 3 passage of the minor prophet Zephaniah. Where he talks about people who re refuse to receive correction. And it's to them the day of the Lord is going to come upon them. He's going to come as a, with a war cry, a battle cry. The stout-hearted are people who are thick-fleshed. They, they, they don't give in. They don't, he goes on to say, they don't receive instruction. They don't receive, and he even says, they don't receive correction. That is that false counterfeit church member. Come on, church. Why am I preaching this? Not just so we can, you know, go find us a cave somewhere. I'm preaching it for truth's sake, and I'm preaching it so we don't get slaughtered by deception. If that means I've got to stand here and tell you I was incorrect concerning the timing of certain things, I don't have any problem doing that. Your blood is on my hands. And I'm telling you, the Lord said, hearken to me, you stout-hearted that are far from righteousness. 46.13, I bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off. And my salvation shall not tarry. And I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Because they thought the Lord delayed his coming. They thought he was tarrying. They got stout-hearted. They got thick-fleshed. Refused to receive correction. Would not walk in obedience to God. Got slothful in their service. It's heavy. They apostatized. They backslid. I'm telling you right now, church, look at me, please. I'm telling you right now that if a little difficulty in your life can cause you to stop living for God, you don't have it. 
I am telling you, you will not make that which is to come. If we are in the time, we'll see the events that precede the end. You will not make it through it if you don't have it for real. Because what'll happen is you just get hard-hearted, stout flesh, you know, stout-hearted and thick-fleshed and won't receive the correction of the word of the Lord. Now listen to me, please. I'm not talking about my correction. I'm talking about God's word. Listen to me. When you talk about the throne of God, you're talking about his authority in your life. You're talking about his kingship in your life. You're talking about his lordship in your life. Can he come to you and be Lord over your life or do you want him just to be your savior? Can he come and exercise authority? Can he come and correct you? Can he come? Come on, somebody. Will you obey him at any cost? The authority that you have depends on the authority that you submit to. I know people, man, they want power. They want authority. They want God to use them. But they won't obey God quickly. When God comes and speaks to them and tells them to do something, they have to wait about a month or two to figure out, you know, if that's what they want to do. You need to learn to obey God quickly. If God tells you to do something to do it, you do it without hesitation. And if you'll learn to submit to that authority of God in your life and obey Him immediately, you will walk in more discernment. You don't have discernment. It's, not, it's because you haven't walked in what God's already talked to you about. I'm talking about a revelation of God's throne in our life right now. His authority in my life now. This man calls Jesus Lord. You can say it with your mouth. But your actions speak louder than your words. And the tares and the wolves and the false servants will be uncovered in the days to come. You can call him that with your mouth. But do you really have the goods? And I'm telling you right now, I stand before you, that if some people do not repent and get right with God, people that you thought would be sure to make it are going to blow your mind when they fall away from God. We are in that time right now where God is shaking everything that can be shaken. Why? So His kingdom can be seen. I don't want to be a slothful servant. And I know I'm getting lengthy, but I, I just, I'm not apologizing. That false servant said, my Lord delays his coming. It's the stout-hearted person that says that. It's those that are far away from righteousness that believe that. Hebrews 10, 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He's not going to tarry. He's not going to delay. He's got all the events. He's already told us the church is not in the dark. We don't have to walk in this world wondering what's going to happen next. We know what he's already told us. And the people that need this the most are not here right now. That's the danger of deception. You are here right now because you want to walk with God. And the people that aren't here, now I know there's some people that are here with, they, they don't have a choice. They've got things they have to take care of. 
I'm not talking about that, but I'm telling you still, everybody needs this message. The teachers should be getting these messages, listening to them. If you're not hearing this, you need to get these messages and listen to them. You need to know the events. Are you with me? I love you. I'm telling you these things, okay? Bible said he's not going to tarry. So for that servant to walk around and say, well, my Lord's delaying his coming. <laughs> That's, that servant is called a wicked servant. First Thessalonians 4, 17. Amen. Are you all with me here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. First Thessalonians 4, 17. Then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. At the sound of the trumpet, he comes with clouds. I missed something. I've got to go back. I've got to go back and look at something here. Okay, we're talking about his coming. And the delay, so-called delay, that's connected with this trumpet. Let's go over to Revelation. Got to find it. I didn't insert it. So bear with me, please. Will you hang with me just a little longer? 11. Revelation 11. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, we're just talking about when uh, there's going to be delay no more, delay no longer. So help me try to find it in Revelation 10 or 11 there. Okay, verse 6, chapter 10, verse 6. Watch this. <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea, upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are therein. Look at this. Look at this universal authority that he's exercising. And the earth and all things that therein are, and the sea, the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he had declared to his servants, the prophets. So that guy's walking around saying, my Lord delays his coming. But when that seventh trumpet sounds, there shall be delay no longer. You get it? Hallelujah. Okay, let's talk about this other. We talked about mystery. We talked about the delay, so-called delay, or long time coming of the Lord, or the imminent return of the Lord. Let's talk about <clears throat> the clouds. First Thessalonians 4, 7, and then we, we shall I remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, and there so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. At the sign of the trumpet, he comes in clouds. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, voice of the archangel, or the chief messenger, and with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Are you with me here? This is all at his parousia. Okay. Praise God. So there's clouds connected with his coming, right? We talked about that angel that ha has a cloud. Uh, it doesn't say that. 
is uh, clothed with the clouds. Okay. Numbers 23, 21. Let's talk about the shout. I've got to hurry. Number 20. He hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither hath he seen perverseness in Israel. The Lord is God. Is the Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. Revelation 10, 3. And cry with a loud voice, and when, as with a lion, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Joshua 6, 5. It shall come to pass that when they shall make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. We talked about this last week, about Jericho. Now watch this. When the Lord comes back, He is going to shout over the nations. He's going to descend with a shout. At the same time, the church is going to be caught up. Watch this. It was on the seventh day in the seventh trumpet that the walls of Jericho fell down. It is at that time that the people ascended up. Parallels there. Now watch. The Bible says that the people shouted as they went up. So when the Lord comes back, literally comes back, that seventh trumpet sounds, that last trumpet sounds. He shouts over the nations. We go up to meet him in the air and we are shouting. It's a battle cry. He's assembling his soldiers for the war. And so it's laid out for you in Joshua. It's the seventh day and the seventh trumpet that there's the judgment of the nations, the collapsing of the walls, the burning of the city, the taking of Rahab out of that city, the ascending up of the people, and they shout as they do it. Got it? Now, I want to share this with you, okay? How long have we been going? Sister Jolene, where are you at? Go back there. Give me a time. What's my time? Almost two hours? 145. Thanks. Okay, I'll try to make it two hours. I'm supposed to do this in an hour and 15 minutes. I think this is the first time I've ever really messed this whole thing up. Uh, if you get anything out of this, it's just by the grace of God that you're going to walk out of here with anything this morning. I have so messed this thing up. Your scholarship says concerning the trumpet, the shofar, in the Midrash, they make a statement. They say that God himself takes seven trumpets. When he sounds the first trumpet, they say he shakes the world. They say, by looking at Scripture, when he sounds that seventh shofar, that seventh trumpet, they say... That's when the righteous stand up, resurrected from the dead. The dead stand up and are clothed in white clothes. Even Jewish scholarship saw that much. They don't even, most of them don't even believe the New Testament. But they understood the Old Testament chronology of end time events. And Paul was a Jewish scholar. And we have it in the Bible. 
seventh trumpet sound in Jericho, seventh day. Walls come down. Rahab's taken out first. Walls come down. He's burned by fire. The church is taken out. The redeemed Lord taken out. Then the fiery judgment of God connected with the day of the Lord hits this planet. It's in the seventh trumpet that it happens. That the resurrection takes place, a judgment upon the wicked, and the reward of the saints. Isn't that beautiful? That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Joshua 6.22, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, I'm almost through, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. Send those two witnesses to get her out. Revelation 11, talking about the two witnesses, Revelation 11 verse 9, They are the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half, and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. Verse 10, And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them, and make merry, and shall send gifts one to another, because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. Verse 11, And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them, and they stood upon their feet, and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, Come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies beheld them. That is connected with the seventh trumpet. And so just as you have the two witnesses going out there and Rahab is escorted out, you have the two witnesses caught up in the cloud as Jesus descends in the cloud. Hello, cloud. As he descends in the cloud, or with clouds, with clouds, those two witnesses are caught up. At the end of the tribulation period, they're caught up in a Jewish wedding ceremony. The bridegroom always has two witnesses when he receives his bride to himself. The two witnesses go up at the end of the tribulation period, followed by the bride. The two prophets are with Jesus when he comes back and brings his bride, receives his bride to himself. That is in a Jewish wedding, and that's what you see in Revelation 11. And you see it in Joshua 6. Same thing. Two witnesses. Rahab being brought out. You see it right here. You see this? Now, as we go through the book of Revelation, I'm going to get into more detail with these things. And, and, and I'm going to show you more scripture on this. But I've got to give you just some foundational stuff. All right? Got it? <clears throat> so the two witnesses precede the bride and escort him back when he receives the bride to himself. Psalm 47, 2. Praise God. In fact, verse 1 says, clap your hands, O ye people. <laughs> <clears throat> Clap your hands, all you people. But verse 2 particularly says, For the Lord most high is terrible. He's a great king over all the earth. What I'm trying to show you is right now there is a progressive sounding of a trumpet. I'm telling you today that the Lord has descended in you. I'm telling you today as I've preached, you have ascended to meet him in the air. I'm telling you right now that there's a progressive revelation of his throne in your life, his authority and the dimension of the throne in your life right now. Are you here? And I'm telling you that it will be ultimately, bring, it will come to an ultimate fulfillment so that it's not just going to be seen in the first fruits, but the Bible says all the kingdoms of the world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And that's when the seventh trumpet sounds. So we're moving from a first fruits group of people 
to an ultimate time when all the kingdoms shall be the kingdom of our Lord and of his you getting this it's progressively happening in you right now for the Lord most high is terrible he's a great king over all the earth verse 3 he shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet <laughs> now spiritually right now there are kings of the flesh that he's subduing under us as we get a revelation of his throne we're allowing his authority to operate in our lives more and more but ultimately that will happen verse 4 he shall choose our inheritance for us the exit of Jacob whom he loved Selah Israel is involved in that too the mystery man 47.5 God has gone up with a shout the Lord with a sound of a trumpet Verse 6, sing praises to God, sing praises, sing praises unto our king, sing praises. Verse 7, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing you praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. That's where I got my chance. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Verse 9, the princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of God of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. I love it. In an ultimate sense, that'll come to pass right now. The kings of the flesh are under our feet in a spiritual sense. Jeremiah 50, verse 15. I'm talking about trumpet in, a trumpet in connection with the throne. Jeremiah 50, 15. Shout against her roundabout. Talking about Babylon. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. Just like it was said of Jericho. It's said of Babylon. For it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her. As she hath done do unto her. That's the principle of double. And we'll see that as we get in the book of Revelation. Hello somebody. And ultimately Babylon will be destroyed. And will be burned by fire. In connection with that seventh trumpet and that coming of Jesus. But right now, when the prophetic that takes place, an appearing of the Lord in your life so that Babylon, which is confusion. I'm telling you right now, and I know it in the spirit, that right now you have been delivered from confusion of mind this morning. So when a prophetic word goes forth, the confusion of your Babylon, of your, of your mind, is removed. And it's when the shout takes place. You get it? And so it shows us here that she has a false foundation. And it shows her walls coming down. Lest the Lord build the house. They that labor, labor in vain that build it. She's got a counterfeit foundation, and it breeds confusion, and she is a harlot. But in the shout, the confusion is removed. Give God some praise. Ultimately, yes, but now also, Joshua 6.20. So the people shouted. When the priests blew the trumpets, it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. 
So right now, because there is a trumpet that's being sounded this morning in this house, right now walls in your life are coming down. Jerichos that are in your life are coming down. And ultimately, well, in the future, Judges 7.20. We went through the, the book of Judges. We showed you over and over and over how the throne was central in the book of Judges. And the book of Judges says, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And because of that, there was all kinds of chaos and confusion. But, watch this, Judges 7.20. And the three companies blew the trumpets. We're talking about Gideon's army. And break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with all. And they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Whenever the trumpet sounds, whenever there's a prophetic word that goes forth, there is going to be a breaking in your life. There's going to be a brokenness in your life. And when you let the Word of God break you, uh, you walk in brokenness, then the light that is hidden will shine forth. You've got a light in your earthen vessels, but it's hidden and it can't be seen. But when the trumpet sounds, the flesh is broken and the light shines forth. And then you have the scattering of the enemy. That's exactly what happened. And that's what will happen. Isaiah 58 1. Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet, God said to the prophet, and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins preach to the church the need of repentance and if you preach the need of repentance if that church will repent of their transgressions then there will be an appearing of jesus in their life but there are things that hinder that appearing so cry aloud spare not lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression has of jacob their sins People don't like that these days. Churches these days don't like to go to, people don't like to go to churches for the most part where their transgressions are uncovered. Come on, are you with me today? Where their people are showed their transgression and showed their sin. But you know what? If you will allow God's word to uncover that, if you allow the prophetic word to go forth, and you will allow it to bring you to a place of repentance, there will be an appearing of Jesus inside of you. Give God some praise. Watch this. It's going to ultimately happen, of course. Acts 3.19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Verse 20, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. They weren't confused, my friend. Awesome stuff. Awesome. 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 Repentance. He's, he's calling the church to repentance, even in Acts. Joel 2.15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. I'm talking about show you how the trumpet is linked 
the various things in the throne in, in the Bible. Joel 2.15, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Verse 16, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber, and the bride out of her closets. Give God some praise. And it's connected with the blowing of trumpet in Zion. Now watch this. He says, blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound alarm. Right? Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sanctify fast. Call a solemn assembly. Watch this. When we talk about a trumpet sounding, it's a prophetic word that comes forth that calls us to a fast. But it's not just a fast of not eating food. A fast was for the affliction of the soul. When they fasted in the Old Testament, in the Day of Atonement, they did it to afflict the soul or the woman. Which means this. I'm not just declaring today your need to fast from food. I am declaring today your need to fast from stinking thinking. You need to afflict your soul. You let your mind run rampant with thoughts of unbelief and all kinds of crazy fleshly things. You need to put your mind on a fast and tell your mind I deprive you of ever thinking like that again because your thinking is wrong. You need to line up with the word of the living God. Your thinking's wrong. I'm going to afflict you. I'm going to deprive you of that thought. So the word afflict means to deprive. You need to deprive your soul, your mind. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. You can't give yourself a license to think however you want to think. You got to say no to that mind. I afflict you. I'm not going to let you think like that. And not only does the word afflict mean to deprive, but it means also to build up. So once you've deprived your mind of the wrong thinking... Then you get in the word of the living God. You hear the prophetic word go forth and let God break you and let God mold you and let that light shine forth and become what God wants you to become. A mature, hallelujah, church in the last days that have been raised up, ascended in ascension life. Throne life. You can't walk in throne life. You can't walk under his authority and have authority if your mind's not right, your thinking's not right. You can't walk through life. I'm going to preach. I don't care. You can't walk through life looking at everything from a natural perspective. You can't. And not expect to walk in ascension type life. It's impossible. You can't have your mind in the gutter and in the heavenlies at the same time. Woo. You can't look at the natural. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I heard somebody say something the other day. This was so good, man. This really got me. He said, whenever Elijah told Elijah, he said, if you see me, and we preach this from a different vantage point, but... Elijah told Elisha, he said, if you see me when I go up, you'll get the mantle. What this man was sharing was this. 
is Elijah was telling Elisha, if you see me in my highness, if you see my, if you see me as a prophet of God, if you see me in ascension gifting, then you'll get the mantle. But if all you see me as is a man, and you don't see me in my highness, in my exaltation, then you can't get what I got. But if you'll see me in my gifting and see me more than just a man, then you'll get what I got. And some of you walk through life and all you see is men and you see them as trees. But I'm telling you, God's got some men in the earth that he's gifted with a stitching hand of call of God. If you can ever get beyond just seeing men as men, you see men used by God, men gifted by God, then you'll walk in those mantles. You'll walk in those authority. You'll walk in that power. You'll walk in that anointing. But you've got to afflict your mind because your mind doesn't want to see a man of God any other than just a man. But I got news for you. If you see a man of God as a man of God, you'll get what the man of God got. You'll get power and authority in your life. You got it. You got it. You got to afflict your mind. You got to control your mind. You got to, you got to get your mind under control. You got to cast down vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. And build it up in the things of God, man. Start walking in the spirit, high things of God. Start seeing things from a spiritual point of view instead of just a natural point of view. If you don't, guess what? You'll go through life always down. If you get a hold of what we're trying to tell you this morning and receive this word, don't let your mind tell you things. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Word of the Lord. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Give God praise. <coughs> Because I understand that as we're gathered here, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. I understand he's talking about rising up. I understand about moving up into a high place. I understand then about being caught up in the spirit when the trumpet sounds and the shout goes forth and the chief messenger proclaims. I understand that there's an ascension that should take place in all of us. But we've got to afflict the soul. And we've got to build up the soul and the things of God to walk there. You understand? That's why he said it's to the overcomer. You've got to overcome stuff. Praise God. And if you will do that, if you will afflict that woman, that soul in your mind, and not let her have her way, but say, no, woman, you're not having your way. We're going to do it God's way. I know, woman, I know, woman, you want it your way. But we're not letting you have it your way. We're going to have it God's way. And if you will talk to your woman that way, I'm talking about your soul, there will be an appearing of Jesus out of the chamber. He will come forth out of you and manifest himself in your life like you never thought possible. That's why he says, talking about the chamber, coming out of the closet. That's why he says, if you pray, enter into your closet. 
and the Lord that sees you in secret will reward thee openly. Openly. What he's saying is this. And he's not talking about walking into a little closet. He said that if you'll get in a place with the Lord. Come on, somebody. If when you pray, you pray, you get in your secret place. You get in your closet, your secret place. He that dwelleth under the shadow of the... Oh, yeah. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you will enter into your secret place, then what's going to take place is there's going to be a bridegroom and a bride that's going to come forth out of that closet. And there's going to be a manifestation of the Lord in her. Awesome stuff. Changing me right now. He's changing me right now. His spirit is, he's breathing on me right now. I'm caught up in the air right now. Actually, too, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Filled all the house where they were sitting. That's when the mantle of Elijah fell upon the church. That's when the church got a double portion of God's spirit. Because they saw Jesus in his ascension as king of kings and lord of lords over all things. And so that spirit came down and rested upon the people of God. And you are the people of the double portion. Give God some praise. Revelation 10, 7. But in the days of the voice of the... See, so what I'm trying to show you this. Okay, this is, can get real confusing. But he which was, which is, which is to come. There is an, a past fulfillment of these things in your life. There is a progressive fulfillment of these things in your life. And there is an ultimate fulfillment of these things that I'm preaching. Everything in the book of Revelation can be preached that way. All right? Do you understand that? Okay. I'll finish. Then seven, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, he shall begin to sound. The mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Is the seventh trumpet. Revelation 4, 1. After this, I looked and behold, I'm going to show you the connection. I looked and behold, the door was open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was it were of a trumpet talking to me, said, come up hither. Now I will show thee things which must be hereafter. 4, 2. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, one set on the throne. Verse 3, he that was to look upon me like jasper and sardine stone, there was a rainbow round about the throne, and a sight like unto an emerald. 4-4, four, four. and round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders, sitting clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. Verse 5, and out of the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, voices, and there were seven lamps of fire before, burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. If I had time, I could show you that another, another mystery concerning the church is that you escape the fire, the fiery mist at the time the seventh trumpet sounded. In fact, it talks about the church standing before Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, and their works being burned up by fire, which means when the day of the Lord takes place, he catches the church out. There's going to be a time, a fiery time of testing on the church. The church will escape it. She will Five that fire. But that fire will destroy the rest of the world. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. I'm telling you right now, it's awesome to live for God. It's awesome to know Him. And I pray this morning, you didn't just come here to get a sermonette. 
I pray this morning you came here to compare Scripture with Scripture. Let me pray for you. Father, I ask you right now to take your word. Reveal it to us. Everybody look up here. I feel like I need to share something. When we talk about, when we talk about speaking to your woman and telling her, we're not going to do it your way, we're going to do it God's way. I'm not talking about your wife. I'm not even talking about gender here. I'm talking about all of us. You hear me? See, a lot of times we as men, I'm just going to say this, we as men really like to use that submission thing on our wives. You better submit to me because I'm the man in the house. We love to use that kind of stuff, don't we, as men? Oh, it's nobody wants to shake the head, but still, it's true. But in Ephesians 5, it says, submit one to another. Okay, she submits to you, but what about your submission to her? You know what the word submission means? It doesn't mean that she's your doormat. You know what the word submission literally means? It means to support. So if you go to her and tell her, you, you have to submit to me, what you're telling her is you need to support me. That does not mean you've got to support his drug addiction, his alcohol addiction, his crazy thinking, his crazy decisions. There is a submission on his part, a support on his part that he has to come to you with. You hearing me right now? Submit one to another. So when I talk about the woman here being afflicted, I'm not talking about your wife. And I'm not even talking about our crazy thinking about submission as men. Because the word affliction literally means to browbeat. So I can stand up here and I can say, browbeat your woman. And if we're not careful, we'll walk out of here and use that and interpret it the wrong way and say, oh, my pastor said I could browbeat you. No, no, no. Your mind. You browbeat your mind. As a husband and a wife, you learn to submit to each other. Some of you husbands do good to listen to some of your wives. Love you. You know? I know we like to think we're the, the generals in the house, and we're really big stuff, and the wife's supposed to really just bow to our ever want. That's not what the Bible teaches. He is placed there by God to be in a supportive role of, of us. But we are also placed by God in her life to be a supportive role to her. And if you ever get that out of balance, you, you got all kinds of chaos and confusion. I mean, you can turn the cameras off. I'm, I'm teaching on the family now. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I had somebody not long ago call me up and say, Pastor, you know, my husband's not, you know, he's not doing right. We were talking about it, and my husband's not doing right. And I don't want to say anything because I'm supposed to be submissive. Said, are you funny? You better say something. <laughs> You're not supposed to submit to stupidity. Are you supposed to submit to his drug addiction? To his adultery? Are you? No, 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 church. That's not biblical. You've got a voice, ladies. <laughs> and I got one of them over here that's not married. And she's looking. You hear what she said? Hey, Amen. I got a voice. Hallelujah. And I'm going in that marriage. She's already planning on getting married, man. She's going in that marriage. She's going to tell her husband what for. 
I got a voice. She's the only one who said amen. I said, ladies, you got a voice. See what I'm talking about? You're afraid. You're afraid to respond to that. Because you've been told for so long that you have no voice. You got to listen to me. I demand. Well, there's a place of authority. Yeah. It's not like that. You don't listen to me. I'm the man. You, you. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Praise God, ladies. Don't you feel good now? Yeah, hallelujah. You've been wanting to say that for so long, and your pastor finally got a revelation. Hopefully that will help your family run a little better. Praise God. Now, if he wants to do something and you don't think it's right, you tell him, I don't believe that's right. Just tell him. But if he wants to go ahead and do it, well, you just tell him. Say, now, I don't believe this is correct, but I'll let you do it. You reap what you sow, man. You do it, you get the results. Do you hear me? Why y'all get all quiet on me now? Man, I've been preaching real good. Get on this stuff, you know, and all of a sudden you just shut down, man. Why are you sitting on my preaching? Man, don't, don't, just, don't sit on me because I'm preaching good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do, do you ladies have this idea that you are just supposed to take all kinds of stuff, abuse and affliction and all kinds of crazy stuff from that man because you're supposed to be submissive? No, this word is for somebody in this house right now. Okay. Yeah, man. Tell you this. No, because I'm not going to embarrass him. If I were to say that, it would it would be too obvious. I'm not going to do that. I'm just telling you, we need to walk in the order of God. We need to learn what authority is and what it's about and how it, I need to. I, still, I ain't arrived yet. Okay? I'm still learning myself. But if we'll learn how to move in God's government, His order, and His spirit, we'll see awesome things in our family. God wants to send a revival, but He's not going to bypass the family. He used the family to get Jesus to us. He's going to use a family to get Jesus to the world. Some of you men need to straighten up. Need to straighten up. I'll let the men tell me, Pastor, you need to straighten up. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, give it to me. I need a good spanking. (laughs) Hallelujah. We We need to straighten up a little bit, man. We need to start treating our wives better. We need to respect them and honor them and love them and nurture them the way they should be. Okay? Instead of using that submission thing as an excuse for why we act like we do. Praise the Lord. I love you guys. Hallelujah. Y'all doing okay out there? All the women said praise the Lord. 
And, I, you know, and I'm not telling you all you men, you're all just a bunch of reprobates. I didn't say that either. I didn't say you're all cruel and mean to them. I'm just listen, receive the word of the Lord. Submit you one to another. Okay? Hallelujah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to let somebody come up here and close the service while I get in my car and, and drive very fastly away from this place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, men waiting for me, waiting to beat me up, man. I love y'all, y'all. We'll see y'all tonight. And we're going to have an awesome service tonight. Uh, I pray that you got something from the lesson this morning. I, I didn't do a real good job, but I, I did try to get the scripture out there for you so you can look at it for yourself, okay? Good night or good morning or whatever. We'll see you tonight, okay? <clears throat>